it, I'm ready to do it, I can't be afraid now Put me on the stage now, I'm ready to rage now I feel like an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out Hey guys, Jamie here and welcome to another awesome episode of Mindset with Muscle. This episode is a bit of a flashback episode from a podcast that I did with a Mr. Andrew Shaw. And the reason that I'm putting it on this episode is because there's lots of knowledge bombs for you to take away. But before we get started with that, I want to let you in on something that I've been working really, really hard on behind closed doors. And that is my J8 challenge. And I call this J8 challenge the Life Changing Transformation Challenge. The reason for that is it is definitely going to change the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And one thing that's exciting is I'm going to be giving away two free places, one male and one female. And the only thing that you have to do to potentially win those spaces is get your name down. And to get your name down, all you need to do is go to wwwj 8 challenge.com that's the letter j the number eight challenge.com but that's it from the plug sit back listen back and enjoy the episode okay so today ladies and gentlemen i'm speaking to jamie alderton jamie is a wbff champion author podcaster one of the top body transformation coaches in the country husband father and Jim Lover. Uh, that's gin, not well. I suppose you you enjoy the gin as well I'll as tell you, gin. Whichever one falls on your tongue is usually the one I go for. So if you say, do you fancy going to the gym? Then yep. If you say, do you fancy a gin? I will go. Well, yes. So also yes. Um, well, thank you very much for talking me to me today. Um, I'm going to pick your brains about mindset and why it's important for you know. Uh, everyone with improving their health and fitness. But um, before I ask you a question on that, I just wanted to know um, what what it was that got you into fitness. Very much so. I think if I kind of backtrack way, way back, it's probably the age of 13. And I was a bit of a little shit, to be honest, at 13. I had far too much energy and I was getting it was getting me into a lot of trouble. Now, one of my teachers actually used to train at lunchtime and he used to allow some of the students to train in the gym. And it was quite a good idea to burn off some excess energy. So every lunchtime at school, I used to go to the gym and train. Weirdly, I used to train legs for some strange reason. That's all I used to train is legs. So it paid dividends, of course, as I've got older. But I think what was great for me is I found something that was actually beneficial for me at a young age. Because, you know, I was always getting in lots of trouble, drinking a lot, doing the typical teenager thing. But one thing that kept consistent with me was was going to the gym. It was my thing, it was my hobby, it was my passion. And I'm very fortunate to turn that into a career now. So that's kind of my quick transition into it. But, you know, I found, I was very lucky that I found it from an early age. And, you know, it's paying off in dividends now because, you know, I've been lifting weights for over 20 years. It's a it's a lot easier for me to maintain a physique as opposed to build a physique. And I get to obviously drink gin quite a lot now because of the work that I've put in. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of my short and sharp background when it comes to weight training and fitness. Fantastic. Um, okay, so going delving into mindset. 
sort of for people. Um, so what would you say to someone that, you know, they're like in a bad place, uh, shit, I'm in bad shape, my health deteriorating, um, my liver's fatty, you know, all those problems that are associated with inactivity and obesity and they're, they're looking to get started. Um, but to avoid like, let's say procrastination or sort of getting into it, how would you, what would you say to someone that's looking to get into it and trying to overcome those sort of mental hurdles and blockers that's preventing them from making start? Well, a lot of things that I say to people is it, it comes down to problems and solutions. You know, and effectively humans are problem solvers. That's what we do. You know, we go through our lives solving problems. But the trouble with a lot of people who want to lose weight, what they turn around and say is, oh, you know, I need to lose five stone. I need to lose four stone. I need to lose a stone. That's not really the thing that you need to be asking. The thing that you need to be asking is, why are you five stone overweight in the first place? And it's identifying what the problem is so you can find the right solution. Because the solution in your head at the moment is, I just need to lose the weight. But then you haven't addressed the problem of why you're overweight in the first place. So as soon as you might get that result, albeit the wrong way, you're going to regress back to the way that you were because it's usually your habits that have created the problem in the first place. And once you can identify what that is, it could be drinking on the weekend, it could be self-confidence issues, it could be because your mum and dad stuffed you full of packets of crisps every single day and you know when you look up to your parents, you don't think that they're you know, what they're doing to you is bad. When in actual fact, most parents, they do. <laughs> you know, they, they feed kids a lot of crap and, you know, that kind of sticks with you. And a lot of things that you do from, you know, from a child is usually carried over in your adult life. So a lot of the things that I try and do is try and understand where the problems have come from, where they've spanned from, and then most importantly, taking it slowly. And this could be anywhere from identifying that a person has six cans of Stella a night and then choosing just to reduce it rather than remove. Because at the end of the day, if I'm a person who is overweight uh, drinking six cans of Stella a night and then someone like me says, right, I just want you to drink three, what's going to happen is you've effectively created an energy deficit over the week. They've probably lost a little bit of weight. And you haven't necessarily changed their habit and routine. You've reduced it down. So within a week or two weeks, they're like, holy shit, you know, I've, lo- I've lost five pounds. And they don't know that it's you know, essentially a calorie deficit. What they think is you're some kind of magician that has finally come up with a solution to their problem. And this is where a lot of people need to understand when it comes to, especially what you said, with people who have a lot of weight to lose they're in an immense amount of pain. And the reason that they're doing their bad habits is because they produce that kind of short-term gratification for them. And when you change it slightly, they still get that short-term gratification. We want to get rid of that, okay? I don't want them drinking three cans of Stella, even though that sounds pretty awesome. (laughs) But we're just trying to get them a small win so they can see what it is that we're doing. Because now they're like, oh, hang on a minute. Imagine if I only drunk three times a week and then they see a result and they're like, okay, let's try this now. Let's just try drinking on a Friday night. And then guess what? You know, when they're two stone lighter, let's try not fucking drinking. And it's like, and what you've done is, is kind of broke it down into small wins so they can see that if they do these small things, they get a result and then they'll want to do more things 
because they're like they're addicted to the success of what it is that they're doing but so many people don't think like that they want to stop drinking don't go out and see the mates go to the gym five times a week go and do some cardio and it's just like wow i lost 10 pounds in a week no fucking shit i bet you're miserable miserable as fuck and it's like yeah i was like well how do you expect to keep up something that makes you miserable oh and in the in the quest to be happy well you need to be happy with the things that you're doing now because as soon as you finish doing all this painful stuff you're going to go back to that happiness and the happiness which you've just told me is six cans of cellar a night so it's only going to be a matter of time before we're back in here at square one because we haven't addressed what the real problem is so a lot of it is understanding that it's a marathon not a sprint <clears throat> it's understanding that you know what as a coach what people need but you have to give them what they want and what they want is the easy route everyone wants everyone wants a magic pill everyone wants to do that what makes a great coach is understanding what that is and then eventually giving them what you know that they need fantastic so just to follow up on that your would you advocate that people focus more on uh like small processes rather than a, a big goal like sort of breaking it down would you would you say that's the sort of the case or would you would you put a how would you how would you sort of set it up would they would you try and steer away from like having this sort of big end goal losing x amount of stone and get them more towards you know smaller little goals like you were saying just the reduction of three cans a night well uh, it all depends on the person because thing is if you're working with a client you don't need to tell them everything because they don't need to know for now because what's going to happen is you're going to overwhelm them go oh, we'll get you to this get you to that get you to that and it's essentially what you're trying to get them to do is a marathon but in order to complete a marathon you're not focusing on the end point you're focusing on checkpoints mm -hmm. so you're like right i'm going to do two miles have some water and then i'm off and that's you know it's chunking it down and it's reverse engineering it at the end of the day they know what they want they want to lose three stone to you, that's like, okay, let's start at that end point. What does that look like? To me, that's probably 18 months to two years time. But if you go, if you suddenly turn around to someone and say, right, in a year and a half's time, they go, fuck that. I'm going to go, I'm going to go on Herbalife and I'll, I'll, I'll do it that way. So what you're essentially doing is getting them a small win and working from them in the knowledge that it is going to take 18 months to two years. But they're not going to focus that if they're getting wins from each checkpoint. I think a lot of people need to reverse engineer things. Mm -hmm. The struggle that you have if you're trying to do it yourself is you're, you're probably not being honest with yourself. You know, everyone lives in this bubble and they lie to themselves. You know, we are the best liars to ourselves. As soon as we convince ourselves something, it, it becomes a fact regardless. And this is the kind of thing that I work with. I, I try and get people to sort of be honest with yourself, you know. And it can be very difficult if you're overweight because you have built a lot of strong cognitive biases to enable you to cope with being unhappy potentially with your weight this there's a lot of defense mechanisms in there there's a lot of anger in there because it's it's, it's easier to get angry with someone than to accept what they're saying is as true uh, and, and this is the the biggest and most difficult thing when it comes to mindset something that i put up a lot which is a you know a very well-shared post is that you can't see your reflection in boiling water so what you're trying to do is kind of not boil people up and get them to see their reflection but people who are overweight people who are in a lot of pain they boil up very very easily 
So it is very much a psychological game and it's something that I'm very fascinated at. Before I became a personal trainer, I used to work in psychological operations. So I have a big background on basically triggering people and seeing what they do. And that's that's works very well with my you know, my career in fitness because I don't necessarily poke people, but what I do is I try and show people the error of their ways, try and get that autonomy so they can make their own decisions to do their own things. And that's what fascinates me. It's like, how do I get that person to lose weight without telling them to lose weight? And it's not, you know, showing them the path, as in go down there and you'll lose weight. It's getting them to see what it is I do, experiment with a few things and go, ah, actually, I might, I might do that. And when they get a result from it, they tend to be consistent. But it is a long, long game, depending on who it is that you're working with and what it is that you're looking to get them to do. Mm. Great stuff. Um, okay, next question. So just want to talk about like motivation um, and getting to people to adhere to a course of action because you know, motivation is not always going to be there sort of for people or is it just focusing more on like a, a routine would you say to people like sort of advocate like sort of try and instill a routine or it, you know try yeah, and keep motivated it is because routines and rituals get results but you've got to kind of break down that word motivation we're looking at motives needs wants desires and drives and this is what essentially people are doing you need to kind of separate down and understand exactly what motivation is because there's two parts there's internal motivation which we want everyone to do because we want people to be internally motivated because then they're doing it for themselves but if you're overweight you're probably not internal internally motivated at the moment to lose that weight so then we go to external motivation and you've really got to understand what external motivation is because it's based on two things seeking gain and avoiding pain simple you know people who have got a job that they don't enjoy are very motivated to go in the morning to do it. Why? Because at the end of the month, they get a paycheck, seeking gain. And if they don't turn up, they're going to get the fucking sack, avoiding pain. So you've got to understand where that motivation comes from and how you can use that on a person to get results. Seeking a gain. Yeah, okay. I'm going to give you a thousand pounds if you lose 10 pounds. That would probably motivate somebody up, up to a certain point. If you don't lose the weight, I'm going to murder your family. Probably an extreme example, but that person's going to be incredibly motivated to lose that weight because they don't want to avoid the pain of losing their family. Now, these, <laughs> these are very extreme examples, <laughs> but if I put that in your head, there is no doubt that you get up in the morning and achieve it in those extreme circumstances. Now, the, now external motivation can fall back on itself because at the end of the day, if you think that you're never going to achieve that, as in I'm never going to get that £1,000 anyway, it can revert back. But what we're trying to do is get a little bit of external motivation, a little bit of a get up and go, a little bit of seeking gain and avoiding pain till we get to that point where they understand, actually, I enjoy this shit. Actually, this, this is good for me. Because no one ever regrets a workout. No one ever goes, mm. oh, fuck me, I lost £10, I feel awful. It's just finding different ways to get that internal motivation and most of the time it's through external motivation when we go on to internal motivation however I'm very fascinated with it because I think one of the biggest things that clicked in my head was why does that eight-year-old kid sit there and play Fortnite for 12 fucking hours 
how is he not bored? How is he so motivated to compl- to carry on with this game? And I went down this rabbit hole with it. I was just like, what is this thing? And I found something about gamification, which is actually called the RAMP model. And RAMP stands for Relatedness, Autonomy, Mastery, and Purpose. And they're the four things that kind of make up internal and a little bit of external motivation. Relatedness. You are the average of the five people that you spend time with. If you spend time with celery-eating gym-goers, you you tend to become a celery-eating gym-goer. However, if you surround yourself with pizza-eating slobs, then you'll probably become a pizza-eating slob. So it's all about surrounding yourself with the right people, and that's what's going to motivate you to get the result. Autonomy, as I've said before, it's not about telling someone what they need to do. It's showing them the right things to do. Um, Companies like Google, what they do is they have a kind of an 80-20 principle with their working time. They allow their employees to work on their own projects within, obviously, their working um, schedules. And this is where the best ideas come up. This is where things like Gmail and all these um, incredible ideas for Google have come from. Not necessarily working, but people working on their own projects and going, oh, I've got the freedom to do what I like, increases creativity, increases Mm -hmm. ideas, and benefits Google. Now, when you understand that kind of autonomy, that's a great psychological advantage when you're working with clients. You're not telling them what to do, you're trying to show them the right path. Mastery. Essentially, you know, the great thing about mastery is that no one looks in the mirror and goes, yep, I'm done now. You know, the whole point of your physique and everything, you've always got something that could be that little bit better. And when we're looking at gamification, once we pass level one, what's the thing that we want to focus on? Level two, then level three. And once we complete the game, we want to add a little bit more difficulty. But the game of your perfect physique is never over. So you're always seeking that little bit more. And then the final one you've got is purpose. So the thing about purpose is that when we're talking about I need to lose five stone, your purpose is your why. You know, if you say, I want, I want to lose five stone because I'm unhappy, that's not really motivating. If I say, I want to lose five stone because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle because the chances are I'm not going to live to see it. Now, that's a bit of a tearjerker, but it's true. And when you wake up and go, no, I'm not doing this for myself anymore. I'm doing this for others around me. It's a selfless act now which then gives you a bigger why and a bigger purpose behind it, which makes it a lot easier because you're very internally motivated to not let others down. Mm. Cool. Very good. Um, so just touching on that, what is it that's, what's your why and what's your sort of motivation and purpose to do what you do and keep you motivated with regards to, you know, your physique and health and is it family is it you know uh, what do you use i think as i said before you know i've got a five-year-old daughter i've got a little son on the way in a couple of months time and oh. it's and it's being Congrats. on this pla- thank you it's, it's being on this planet as long as possible for me it is a selfless thing it used to be a very selfish mm-hmm. thing you know it was a high level competitor it was all about bringing the best that i could bring but also you know something that i love so much about this game is it's all the, it's all within your choice you know you've got two things that you control what goes in your mouth and how you move your feet and you know something that i found probably 18 months two years ago is stoicism and it's understanding that there's a lot of things that you can't control and if you can't control it why why let it bother you 
but there are a few things that you can control and a lot of it is how you respond to things and your attitude when shit hits the fan and that's a very kind of humbling thing because we've all got the choice to do it and we're not saying it's easy nothing's easy and and if you I don't think most people would appreciate anything that was easy at the end of the day we wouldn't get so triggered by people with six packs on Instagram if it wasn't so fucking hard to get a six pack and I think that's a great thing because you should appreciate the hard things in life because they're usually the most rewarding so whenever I'm struggling I'm finding stuff (coughs) difficult rather than blame others rather than complain I flip turn that and go this is awesome you know things around me are are going tits up and it's an it's kind of an experiment because you're like well you know it can't get any worse um, and the only way is up from here and I think that's the most important thing about life is that it's very much like a game of poker okay sometimes you get dealt a shit hand but just because you've been dealt a shit hand doesn't mean that you can't win the game because at the end of the day, it's all about strategy. Cool. Very good. Nice. Well, that's uh, that's all the main questions I've got. So I'm just going to hit you with a few quick fire ones. Um, let's go for favorite meal. What would what would be your yeah favorite food or favorite meal? You've got one meal to eat for the rest of your days. What's it going to be? For the rest of my days. <laughs> well. The rest of my days, it'd probably be uh, a decent steak and some sweet potato fries. Nice, nice. Let's go for that. And same with exercise. So your favourite exercise, you've got squats. one squats. Very good. And last one is what would you say your roughly your calorie maintenance level is? About, How many calories? About three thousand three hundred, three thousand four hundred. Um, I don't yes. stop. I'm a very active individual. I probably walk you know, say walk and move about 15,000 steps a day. So very fortunate because obviously I've got uh, a good window to consume and it's very hard for me to be overweight. You know, I forced myself overweight in 2013. I gained 50 pounds um, and that was hard. That was a lot of, that was a lot of pints of Guinness. Mm. (laughs) All in the day, all in good fun and the name of research. Brilliant. Well, that's all the questions that I've got. So thank you very much for talking to me, Joe. Thank you. You people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top.